Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. know what time it is it's 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 the endoscope podcast with your boy joshua m hicks senior writer for war media and obviously this is a special edition because of two things one we're quarantining so everything is special when you're doing quarantine i mean look at me i got a mini fro going on i used to have a flat top this mother's turned into a mini fro still look kind of good in the meantime that's to carry me over until my next haircut but who cares about all that right now because right now i got a special guest this special guest is a multiple freelance reporter, writer. She's been on everything. ESPN, The Undefeated, FIBA, SB Nation, you name it. She's the real deal. And not to mention, she is very gorgeous. I just have to put that out there. So with that being said, everybody give it up for Grady Diaz. Miss Diaz, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on. I know you're a very busy person. You're doing you're doing your thing, traveling all over, being part of FIBA and everything. So I know you're doing, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're making your brand. So I appreciate you <laughs> for taking the time to come on Thank my you. show. I really appreciate that. And let's just start off with, you know, with your career. Cause like like I like we just mentioned before, you know, you're doing some big things. You've been doing some traveling and everything. So talk about how did your career really jump off and get started into what you're doing right now? Well, it's funny because what I'm doing right now is actually my second career. My first career was actually on the business side of sports at ESPN. Like that was my first job. I was in Bristol, Connecticut, which is the headquarters. And I would say after about three and a half years of my business job, I realized that I wanted to do something different. So I knew that I had to make a change and bet on myself. So I decided to um, just start freelancing full time. And I realized that, you know, I, I do like storytelling. I do like, you know, being at arenas. I do like uh, interviewing. So I made the conscious effort while I was at ESPN working my business job to connect with people throughout the company and also even ask if I could write while I was there doing my business job. I would write on the side for them. And that kind of, that helped me when I was ready to, to leave and to quit my job to pursue other things. So uh, that's how my career kind of got started. It was just like one of the, like, it was just after a while of doing my business job, I realized that I'm not fully happy and I feel like it's time I'm young 
I don't have any like major responsibilities, any kids or anything that anything major. So I knew that I, I had to bet on myself. Well, shout out to team no kids because we got no kids over here too. And shout out to the young because young people because we young <laughs> out here too. We're doing our thing. But you said you weren't happy. Like, was this always something that you did like when you first started off in your first career, as you mentioned? Did you actually think this was something you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Was this did things just change? Like what made you want to drastically change careers like that? You know, I just realized that I wasn't I felt like I wasn't challenged today working on on the business side. I felt like I didn't want to be um, working in a cube every day. I just it wasn't it felt very confined and I'm I'm the type of person where I feel like I, I don't want to feel stuck. And it was just, I mean, it was a, it was a long time coming. I knew, I knew pretty early on that that wasn't a role that I wanted to do for a long time, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a journalist, to be honest. I just knew that I wanted to try. I knew that, you know, going into, you know, writing and stuff, I knew that I wasn't a great writer. So I think I was more attracted to the, the opportunity to challenge myself to do something that I knew I wasn't good at. So I think I'm, you know, that opportunity kind of intrigued me a bit. And I mean, I would say that, you know, in time things become a bit easier, but I knew that it was going to be a challenge, which is why I was just like, you know what, I think I want to write. Okay. Well, that, that's great. That's what's up. Because I mean, first of all, congrats to you for even taking that, that leap. That's a huge leap coming from an office area to literally be out there in the field. That's a completely different environment. So for you to make that leap, you, kudos to you. But at the same time, you know, you're very gifted at what you do. I paid attention to some of your work, especially as of recent, where you talking about, you know, producing and writing with FIBA, you over here in five day bubbles, like you just can't, like the NBA just did. So it's like, <laughs> so talk about your, how did you get into FIBA and, and, and the reporting that you did and how it transitioned to your most recent experience which is covering um, one of the Olympic national teams, oh, um, you know, that's going to be taking place in that FIBA circuit this upcoming Olympic season in the summer. Absolutely. So I always try to tell people that networking is so important. Relationship building is crucial, especially in our industry. And our the sports industry, entertainment industry is very small. So I, the way I actually got my opportunity with FIBA was one of my friends at ESPN posted a feature that he did with a player and I believe I liked the post and the guy who actually produced the video feature was at ESPN at the time and he ended up leaving to go to FIBA for an opportunity and after me liking that post he I think added me on Instagram and then from there, I reached out just saying, hey, I'm Grady Diaz. This is what I do, blah, blah, blah. And then I want to say maybe a month later, he got the job with FIBA and he reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm now at FIBA. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if you have anything, I would, I would love to do anything with you guys. And we kind of just continued talking and, you know, via DM, which is, you know, the power of social media is so incredible because I didn't, I never met, I never met the guy. You know, I just kind of pitched myself and what I what I could do and what I was interested in. And, you know, when he found an opportunity, he thought of me. So that's how 
you know, me doing a lot of work for FIBA over this whole, you know, throughout this whole pandemic kind of happened. That's what's up. That's what's up. I understand. That's what, see, that's what happens when you shoot your shot in DMs. Like that's what happens when you shoot your shot. <laughs> Everyone listening right now, take please by all opportunities, shoot your shot. Cause let's be serious. That's how we connected. I shot my shot at DMs and I was like, yo, I see you doing some good stuff. You want to help a brother out by coming on my show? <laughs> and next you know you're on my show. So everyone, it's okay, rejection or not, to shoot your shot in DMs because nine times out of 10, you will get some form of response. And at least Absolutely. the response is normally positive. So by all means, everybody, especially freelancers like, like Grady here, shoot your shots, slide in the DMs, okay? Slide in the DMs. And now, but transition from the DM aspect, now you've been doing, like you, said, you, you just mentioned, you're doing work at FIBA, uh, with FIBA and you were just in a bubble, literally in a bubble out of the country. Talk about what that experience was like, especially since, you know, you, we, we know people that have been in the actual bubble, with, 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 you know, with all the major sports, especially the NBA, um, with that being such a huge success. Talk about what was your bubble experience like um, covering the, 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 one of the FIBA national, uh, national Olympic basketball teams? Yeah, so FIBA had multiple... I mean, throughout the world, they had bubbles going on at the same time, but FIBA Americas, which is the region that I focus on, they had quite like, I think they had three bubbles going on at the same time, one in Argentina, one in the Dominican Republic, and one in the US, actually in Indiana. And up until I think a week before I ended up leaving, I didn't know if I was going to go to Indiana for the USA bubble or the Dominican Republic. And I was equally excited for both. And I think it actually worked out. Um, with me going to the Dominican Republic bubble. And I, oh my goodness, it was an experience. I was there for five days, you know, got tested, all that, you know, it, and I was the only reporter there. For I, I was FIBA's reporter and the only media member actually in that bubble. So it was a very small, it was a very small bubble, no fans, you know, and it was so cool to to have the access that I had, you know, there, there was a bit of, there were times where, you know, you, you couldn't do certain things because of the, because of protocol. So there were a lot of rules in place, you know, to keep things safe, but man, it was, it was an experience. And unfortunately, while I was there, I actually haven't told anybody this, but I tested positive for the coronavirus while I was there that it's actually going to be coming out in my part two video blog that I did while I was there. So I tested positive and then I got retested and it came out negative. So I had the false positive. So it actually came at a time where I couldn't go to the games. So I, I was, luckily I got interviews done before I got that positive test back but it, that having that positive test while I was there meant that I couldn't go to the two games that I was there for. So I had to, you know, be isolated in my room. And I was, I was nervous because I didn't know, I was thankfully in contact with, with doctors and all of the FIBA personnel, they were making sure I was okay. And I had no symptoms. I was like, this is crazy. And they were just like, they made it seem like I was going to be, it was a five-day bubble, but they made it seem like I was going to be isolated until I got a negative test. So I was like, oh my gosh, does this mean I'm not going home soon? Every, like, I have no idea what's going on. And to be honest, just being isolated for a few days made me realize how difficult it is to number one, 
be confined to a, yes, I was in the nice room, all of that, but to be con- confined to four walls, it, it does a lot to you. You know, there were times where I was like, I don't know how people do this for a long period of time. Like, this is, this is not good for you, you know? So uh, it was, so that's news that nobody actually knows that so you heard it here first, <laughs> but. In the scope. But, but no, thank, thank goodness my test came back negative. And I kind of had a feeling that it could be negative, um, a negative, like a false positive test. But I, again, I had so much support while I was there. Even the players were hitting me up every day just saying, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But overall, it was, it was a really unique and great experience, although I didn't get to complete all of the work that I set out to do there. Yeah, that, that's crazy. That, that's crazy. I'm just, obviously, I'm glad that you're safe and I'm glad that you're okay, um, you know, with your health and everything. And that's what the point, that's the point of in the scope. You get the scope of different lenses. This lens is brought, you dropping breaking news. That's what this is all about. And everybody <laughs> listening right now, that if you, if you just heard this breaking news, it came from Miss Grady Diaz. Um, Grady, obviously now that you've um, had those type of encounters and that experience, um, has there ever been a moment in time where you felt kind of that isolation as the minority reporter? You know what I mean? Like when you're covering different games, when you're going to different arenas, you you might you might stand out as the one lone reporter, especially when it comes to professional men's sports as a female reporter. Talk about what your experience, what experiences have you had when it came to those type of um, surroundings within your career? That's so real. So every time I step into a Wizards locker room, I'm one of only a few women and one of only a few women of color. So for me, it's always very eye-opening. You're just like, wow, we've, we've come so far, but then again, we really haven't come that far, far I, I realize. And, you know, to be sometimes the only woman or one of only just like two or three, it just, it still doesn't sit with me well. But at the, at the same time, it encourages me to continue going and to, to continue to reach back and help whoever I can because people, a lot of women, especially black women have helped me. And I credit my career to black women putting me on, you know, to opportunities, accepting my pitches, holding my camera for me whenever I needed. So. I I think of that all the time, you know, when I'm in I'm in spaces where I'm just like, wow, I'm this kind of feels lonely, you know? And I just I try to use it as motivation, honestly. That's real. That's real. I mean, as a black journalist myself, I mean, I know I, I can relate to what it means to being the only brother sometimes in a in a media room or or so this very small group of us you know, in that same locker room covering black sports, you know, that's a, re- that's a real thing. And if like, you like, like you said, it's uncomfortable. I, it is, it gets uncomfortable and it blows my mind how you have a representation of a league, especially leagues like the NFL and the NBA where it's predominantly black and you have v- barely any black reporters that cover these teams. It's true. And I feel like I also try to use it as an advantage because a lot of the time, 
there aren't people that look like you in the locker room. So I might be able to connect with somebody in the locker room who is brown or black before they, they're able to connect with anybody else. So I sometimes use that to my advantage and I'll just pull up on them and say, hey, can I talk to you on the way out? And they're, they're, they're kind of stunned. And for the most part, they say, they say yes, you know, and they know that I think they, I think they have an idea of how difficult it can be for somebody who looks like me to just be in this space. So I think they respect it. So, you know, I just, again, try to try to see the positive and use it to my advantage if I can. That's true. That's very true. And I know you had one, uh, one of those type of experiences with, uh, former wizard now, John Wall, who just got traded to the Houston Rockets for Russell, for Russell Westbrook. So talk about what was it like interviewing John Wall? What was it like having conversation with him? John Wall is somebody that would, let me, let me back up a little bit. So people always ask me what, what is John Wall like? People just I feel like not many people have been able to see him like somebody who's, you know, been close to the Wizards as a media member. And I always tell people that he has a very big heart. The amount of things I've seen him do in the community is unreal. And a lot of the times there aren't cameras around. Yes, yes, there have been many times where cameras are around, whether it's for, you know, whether he's giving meals or helping with rent assistance, things like that. But he's, I've seen him do things for people without cameras. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like he's, he's a good dude. And I, it's, it sounds like he didn't want the trade, that he didn't ask for the trade. So to put, to be, to be working for an organization for 10 years and to kind of have it end the way it did is a little sad. And I actually just texted one of my editors a few days ago and I was just like, is it me or does this feel like a, a sad moment? And he's like, no, it's a sad moment. It's a sad moment for DC, you know? And what I, I'm actually very happy for John and I absolutely wish him continued success and I hope he kills it in Houston. Um, but, I just, I feel like, you know, he was injured for the past, you know, essentially two seasons and we didn't get to hear from him a lot, but he did make a tremendous impact in the community, which will never be forgotten. And he has even said that he's going to continue to give, give back to his communities and one of them being the DC area, which is so powerful and so awesome of him. And just to see him with his son, I saw him a lot with his son while he had his injury, he would still come to the games, obviously sit on the bench, but he would also bring his son to the games. And just to see the way he interacted with his son and loved on his son was really, was really beautiful. And it's like DC got to see, you know, a 19 year old kid, they got to see him grow up, you know? So from, from a young man to now a father, which is so beautiful. And um, I'm just, I'm really excited to see him on the court. I heard that you know, just a few weeks ago when he was in Miami, he was looking really good. And I actually talked to a player who was actually playing against him in Miami. And, he, and I was just like, hey, what, what did John Wall look like? You think he's ready? And he was like, he's, he's more than ready. He looks good. 
Yeah, I'm interested to see how that combination is going to work, especially once they finally figure out what they're going to do with James Harden and, and the fact that he got to reunite with Boogie Cousins, you know, his, his, his former yes. teammate and good friend from Kentucky. Man, I, that's going to be very interesting to see because they both have similar paths. Like, they're both trying to get back to stardom. They're trying to get back to the players that they were and be better versions mm -hmm. of themselves. And for them to go on this journey together and wind up in the same spot, I'm very intrigued to see how that's going to work out. Me too. I, I think I just read earlier that James Harden has to get, I think, six negative tests before he can go back to practicing or something like that. So, oh man, Houston seems a little bit messy right now. Yeah, Houston, Houston has a little bit of a problem, but... Yeah. As a DC person, you know, that's covered the Wizards, you got Russell Westbrook now in town. Before I get to Russell Westbrook, I have to ask this question to people that were some that have at least been around the Wizards locker room. A lot of media members have made this narrative that, you know, Bradley Beal and John Wall don't get along. They don't like each other. As someone that's been up close, I have to ask, is that really true? Like how much truth was it to that type, to those rumors that came up regarding the relationship of Bradley Bill and John Wall? I don't, I don't believe them. You know, I've seen both of them together. I've seen Bradley Beal at John Wall's birthday parties. You know, they're, I've, I've seen John Wall at Bradley Beal's son's birthday parties. If they weren't cool, do you think that would even happen? Because at the end of the day, they're, they're coworkers. They don't have to be anything other than that. They don't have to see each other outside of work at all. But I was just on Bradley Beal's press conference. I think it was last Friday, his media press conference. And he so many times in his press conference said, my brother, my brother, in reference to John Wall. He's, and he said, our brotherhood will continue. Our relationship will continue. So for Bradley to say all those things in a, in a media press conference, I could tell it was real. And he also, he, you know, he did that Instagram post just saying, you know, thank you for everything. And he talked that even in that, that press conference, he talked about their, their bond, which was formed in high school. So we're talking about a very, a very long, long-term friendship brotherhood. So it's for me, I never, I never bought into, never bought into that narrative, never did, because you know how the media can be, people just will take something and run with it, and at the end of the day, if they did have conflict at any time, what, what brothers don't, what friends don't, so at the end of the day, um, John Wall did, did go back to the, the Wizards practice facility before he left to Houston, I think the day before he left to Houston to to say goodbye to his, you know, former team, which I thought spoke volumes. And I, again, I just, I'll never buy into that, that story, those rumors, because I've been able to see them, you know, together. And again, for them to go to family parties and all that, I'm sorry, if I'm beefing with somebody, or if I'm not cool with somebody, we're just not going to each other's families, houses and parties. It's just not going to happen. Right. That's true. That, that's that's very true, especially when it comes to bro code. You that's part of bro code. You jacking that up, man. <laughs> that that was the case. So I, I that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And but now Bradley Bill has a new running mate. You know, it's Russell Westbrook, and 
I'm kind of intrigued how this is going to go just because, you know, Russell Westbrook does have his experience with his first head coach and Scott Brooks, you know, they've, he's, right. they've always had a good rapport from what we've, what, uh, what I've heard reporting wise, they've always had a good relationship and it still stands to this day. So for that, for the transition to make at least on Russell Westbrook's end, it was, it, it kind of makes sense to make that transition as smooth as possible. But now he's playing with a Bradley Beal who we know can fill it up. Um, oh yeah. He, he, oh yeah. Yeah. He can fill it up. Lights out should have been an automatic bid for All Star last year, but he got snubbed. So it's like, how 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 do you think this new pairing in Washington D.C. is going to turn out for the Wizards? Because obviously, you you they, 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 the choice has been made. They're building around Bradley Beal, but having someone like a Russell Westbrook who is you know very ball dominant, ball dominant, he has to have the ball in his hands to create, and he's not really a greatest shooter. Um, how do you think that met, that that pairing can work out? I'm actually looking forward to this pairing a lot. I think it might make Wizards basketball a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting. And unfortunately, we won't be able to be in the arena. But I feel like it might, if we were in the arena, in the arena, I think it would have drawn a lot more fans because there were many times last season where I was just like doesn't feel like a lot of people are here what's going on you know um especially being in such a big big city but I'm 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 very very much so looking forward to it I don't know that Bradley Beal will average 30 a game you know with Russ being there of course but I think I think it sounds from from what I've heard it sounds like they're gonna. I, it sounds like they're gonna work well together, and I think they both can complement each other as long as they they think about the team, and I think that's so important. I I hope Russ kind of buys in, and I think he will. Honestly, I think this could be a. It's crazy because I would have never ever imagined Russell Westbrook in a Wizards jersey. So number one, that is so weird to me. Like. It stinks that we can't be in the arena because all the drip that we'd be able to see pre-game would be crazy in post-game. But honestly, I think he's going to bring some some fun, some some electric, you know, electricity and to the games. And I think he's going to make Wizards basketball kind of fun to watch this year. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so we'll see. Is this Wizards team? a playoff team in the East? That's a great question. I mean, I think they can be, but they're going to have to turn it all the way up (laughs) if they want to, if they want to be a playoff team. So we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like it's, you know, of course, everybody's making their preseason predictions and all that, but it's going to be, they have what, how many games this year? Is it 72? Yeah, 72. 72. You know, it's still a lot of games. So there's a lot that could happen, a lot of opportunity, but I, I think they could be. I think if you had to ask me and I had to give you an answer, I think they could be. But again, they got to turn it all the way up. Yeah, and I think this year also helps them just because I think last year they finished I want to say a 10th seed 
potentially mm-hmm. in the East. I think they will finish the 10th seed in the East. And in this year's playoff, that's a play-in game for them. So technically, mm-hmm. with the new playoff season, uh, you know, taking place, yeah. the new the new format for this year, yeah. they could they could be part of that play-in tournament like we saw in the bubble. And they can, you know, if now that you got Russ there, man, if he can stay healthy and Bradley Bill can stay healthy and that team can stay healthy as a whole, they, they could fight for that final spot in the Eastern Conference. It'll be, like, like you said, it'll be very interesting to see, especially – now that you're going, now you get to see pregame Russ with his with his absolute mad drip game, <laughs> in pregame and postgame interviews. Everybody yeah, listening absolutely. right, everybody listening right now. You're listening to Grady Diaz. Uh, transition real briefly to just the NBA as a whole. Um, I want to ask you this because obviously you got the FIBA perspective as well as the NBA perspective. The Olympics for the summer 2021, I believe that from the last time we talked is the day right after the NBA finals. Bruh. <laughs> I'm so, I, I'm, I don't understand why it's one day after. I don't know how worse that could be. Why? I have so many questions. Why, why, why? Because <laughs> that's, and number one, I don't know where we're going to be pandemic wise then, but, I'm sure there's still going to be a lot of precautions and protocols. So thinking of the Olympics next year, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, number one, who's going to want to go? Number two, people who are in the playoffs and the finals, whatever, they might be like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm tired. Like not going to risk it. So for me, it's just, it's really unfortunate the timing of it. Um, I was, I was bummed because I was just like, oh, that's going to absolutely affect rosters 1000%, 1000%. So, man, I would love to start asking players, you know, given the opportunity, would you, would you, you know, be on that Olympic team that ends one day after the NBA season? Yeah. And what we know, at least we know one of the players that's already made it known he won't be as Damian Lillard. He already made it known, like, look here, bro, if I make the playoffs or if I go deep into the playoffs and we got the Olympics, I'm, I'm out. Um, and that's, you know, a guy that even though he may not have played on the huge biggest stage in the Olympics, <laughs> Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. I mean, if you don't right. have any other superstar, you got D. Lil in your court, you're going to have a really good chance of taking that gold. So it's for- and that's a big stage, you know, when I think of the Olympics, that's the biggest, to me, that's the big, that's the biggest stage in the world. So for players to kind of be like, nah, it's like, oh man, really? Like, oh. but I get it, you know, to, to have the NBA season end that late, man, it stinks. And another, and one person that we also have to really, really consider because LeBron James, he made it known you know, a couple of years ago when he was hurt to start, just started his tenure at the Lakers. I think he made it known that, you know, I, I didn't play in the last Olympic, but I want to play in this one. And the fact that we have the pandemic going on, he's just about, they're about to start a season 72 days after they just won the title. Right. And what if he makes another finals run? He's going to, the, he's going to the finals and the next day he got to hop on a jet to fly to wherever the Olympics are this year. Uh, pause. Let's pause. <laughs> Well, I think that, of course, that's that's a huge argument to be made. I think this is a great opportunity to talk about the WNBA and how WNBA players at times go to, go overseas 
within 24 hours of playing their last WNBA game. That happens. So it would be a lot on their bodies. I understand, you know, your body is everything, but just know we have women out here, professional WNBA players who are doing, who are doing it. So that's true. That's very true. Shout out to the WNBA for right? constantly playing 24 seven basketball in and out the country. That's a, and that's a Seriously. very good, that's a very good point. That's not being brought up. You know, that's what WNBA players have to do literally just to survive mm-hmm. half the time um, oh, yeah. to get other streams of income. Cause the, the WNBA is not nearly at the level where the NBA is financially. So be, and economically, right. so they have to make those big moves and for them to do that consistently year after year after year, you gotta get you. You have to give them mad props for the work ethic that they're putting in just to survive and take care of their families. So I agree with you. If the if the NBA players, you know, even if they make the playoffs but don't go as deep into the playoffs, like a like a final runs perspective, you could take a couple of weeks off and, and then hop on a jet to fly over. I mean, that's the least you can do considering you know, even though the, the NBA player doesn't have that long of a season compared to the NBA. They, they are constantly doing that on a yearly basis. So that's a very good argument that's unfortunately not being brought up. Absolutely. So now that we now that the Olympic component is taken care of and we know that you know we got to look out for those type of things, let's let, let's let's pause on the on that future aspect and bring it back to the NBA because the NBA is about to start literally this weekend. I think games start Friday for preseason, right? So so far within this off season that took place from what you've known, because it's because, you know, the NBA, we, we, we they firework and every, every soft season fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> so this, and so much has taken place from trades, free agent signings, investigations. I mean, come on, bro. <laughs> You're getting trade investigations. You, we went from an NBA bubble where people were getting um, disciplined for postmates and having women and people in their in their rooms, you know, in Magic City, going to Magic City for hot wings. I mean, <laughs> the NBA is a roller coaster for storylines, but to go from all of that, even into this offseason and have the fireworks that it had, you man, it's a lot of a lot took place. So for you, what was the outstanding headlines that took place for you that really made you go like, whoa, as we prepare for this upcoming season? Ooh. And there were so many. I mean, free agency, as you said, was out of control. I just, I just remember every, every day, just seeing my phone light up to, to just notifications about who's getting traded, how much money, and you know, one thing that I always, that always like surprises me is like how big the contracts are. <laughs> Some of these, like these max contracts, are crazy. You know, and. Um, so, I mean, definitely like, you know, the Donovan Mitchells with those huge contracts, you know, they're incredible. So, I mean, one of one of the free agency stories, which we recently touched upon was, you know, John Wall and the Wizards. And I just felt like I was so confused. I was like, what's going on? Did, did, did he want to get traded? It just sounded like there was a lot of, it sounded like people weren't being honest, you know, and not for nothing. I listened into some press conferences with people from the organization. And to me, not everything has been adding up. You know, I've been looking at facial expressions to see like, you know, you kind of tell if sometimes you can tell people are lying or people not 
or if people aren't telling the full truth. So yeah, I feel like there's more to that story that we don't know, but I think someday, someday, someday we're going to find out because to me, it just sounds like we didn't get all the information. That'll uh, be a very interesting ESPN 30 for 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I think it, it caused a lot of, a lot of, you know, people to talk, especially on Twitter, like DC was, I felt like they were pretty devastated. Think about it. Somebody is there for so long, who's done so much for your community, who's done, you know, a lot for the organization, who's played through injuries. This man was playing through injuries that he should not have played through at, like, he should not have. And he put his body on the line for the Wizards. And, but yeah, 30 for 30 would be crazy on that. I don't know. Maybe you can participate in it. You know, you got some people. I would love to. Honestly, one of my goals is to get involved in, you know, documentaries and stuff. So, man, if the opportunity comes, absolutely, I'm on it. On it. (laughs) Drop everything. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. And speaking of, you know, goals and dreams and what you're trying to aspire, what, are the, what, what do you see yourself as the next steps of where you want to take your career? What are the next steps you want to get yourself into in the, and far out to the future? And then even in the near, what are some upcoming projects you may be working on for people that can really tune into, you know, continue to tune into your work? So I'll be continuing to do stuff for FIBA. Maybe I'll be at another bubble soon. I don't know, hopefully. But Honestly, I would love to be involved with the Olympics because for me, that's the biggest stage. Uh, You know, NBA is obviously a huge stage, but when you think about representing countries and taking the best players from every country is so incredible to me. So I would one day love to be involved with the Olympics in some, in whatever capacity. And I know in 2028, the Olympics are going to be in LA. So that's, that's home. You know what I mean? So at the same time I have to travel, so I'm cool with wherever it is, but definitely be involved with the Olympics. I would love to be involved in some documentaries and producing and even more interviewing a lot down the road. I would love to do like primetime interviews. I, you know, people like Diane Sawyer Rachel Nichols. Well, Diane Sawyer isn't, she wasn't in sports, but she's, you know, she's an incredible interviewer. So I, I study people like Rachel Nichols who, who interview people all the time and do these big interviews. Maria Taylor has done some huge ones and, you know, I'm just, I'm working towards it. I'm working towards it. I feel that we all working towards it. And by all means, from the outside looking in, you're definitely well on your way. You're doing great things out there. And for people to continue to follow your work, how's the best way to give us, give us, give the audience your social media, give them the best avenues to research and continue to follow up on what you're doing. Sure. So I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, but I would say I'm on Instagram and Facebook the most, I know Instagram and Twitter the most. So you can definitely catch me first and last name. You'll be able to find me, Grady Diaz. And that is Grady with an E-Y-D-Y, yep. correct? So, yep, so G-R-E-Y-D-Y and then Diaz, D-I-A-Z. 
That's what I'm talking about. And everybody listening, you can also follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and on Twitter at jhicks042. And follow War Media on Instagram and Twitter. We got a lot of great stuff coming your continuing to come your way. Podcasts, columns, you name it. Because you know, we Chicago. So we're gonna cover everything Chicago as and as well as the national stages as well. And someone that's to have someone on the East Coast come stop by in the Midwest. You already know it's a great, it's a great connection. So Grady, I thank you for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. Anything, you know, you got going on if you you may need some extra insight, you know, think, just think about your boy one time for the one time. I mean, I'm I'm here for you. Uh, And, um, but by all means, I got to have you come back on my show, especially with everything going on. I would love to anytime, anytime. You were so great. And, you know, anytime you need me, just let me know and we'll make it work. Most definitely. And hopefully when the pandemic comes down, you know, gets down and I can do more traveling like I want to. Yeah. DC is is one of the top cities on my list. So I got to, so I got to, so we got to reconnect when I come out there. DC's dope. Yep. I got family and all that out there. So it's going to be a multi-layer trip. So I definitely, when I come visit, let's link up. Yes. Let me know. Definitely. I got you. Thank you so much, Grady. Really appreciate you continue doing the great stuff that you do and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you so much.